This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I'm excited. I have a a special guest with me today. Uh, I've retired, uh, recently retired police chief from Aurora, Colorado, which is right next to, to my city. Uh, Nick Metz, how are you today? Nick? Doing well. Doing well, Jeff. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited to have uh, Chief Metz on because I, I, we're going to do a couple shows with him. His, uh, he's he's going to talk a lot about wellness and that's what he's, he's kind of transitioning into. So I'm excited about that, even though it's not uh, completely dog related. Obviously, we're all cops and we need to pay attention to to a lot of the stuff he's going to talk about. And then uh, first, though, today we're going to talk to the chief about, I'd like to get a perspective from a chief on canine as it, as it re- is from the, the top floor, because uh, most of my audience chief are, are handlers like myself. We kind of see things, we get a little myopic, and we're so invested in the dog. And you know, many of us have never taken a, a promotional test, never had any desire to, and we love what we do. But I, obviously the view is different from where I'm at to where, where you're at. And I think for, for our handlers, you know, we try to keep these shows around 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I thought, take a few minutes just to kind of get an idea. So if you could maybe start with, you have a long background in law enforcement. And I think share with the audience, you know, your career. And then we'll talk about the size of the department and kind of what your views were about what, what we do for a profession. Sure. So, so translation, long career, meaning I'm old. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just retired from my 36th year in law enforcement. I spent my first uh, 31 years roughly with the Seattle Police Department up in Seattle, Washington, uh, where I basically rose through the ranks there. Um, it, was a, it was an incredible, um, an incredible time, um, a tough time as well sure. to be a cop up there. Uh, Seattle is a, difficult, is a difficult city to be a police officer in. Um, but at the same time, it was a phenomenal and still is a phenomenal police agency and, and women and men who really, truly care about, uh, um, truly care about the city and, and the community. Um, always had a love for canine. Um, you know, I remember when I first got out of the academy and was on FTO and the first time I ever saw a canine vehicle pull up and the dog hop out, I was like, that's what I want to do. (laughs) That's cool. And that's what I want to do. So I was, I was always one of the first ones to volunteer to cover the, uh, the handler as they were, you know, looking for suspects. And so, you know, at that time, when you're a young officer, you're, you know, you're looking at the canine as the coolest thing in the world. And so, uh, you know, I went through, went through my first years. Um, I quarried for the canine unit and things like that. And, and, kept waiting for my name to yeah. get to the number one list. And then um, wasn't expecting it, but I was like number three or four, which they were telling me yeah, that could take a couple years. And so I took the sergeant's test. And then literally the when the sergeant's list came out, two people dropped out of K-9. And then it was like I was stuck there between, do I take the sergeant's promotion or do I take go to K-9? And made the biggest mistake of my life and <laughs> took the sergeant's <laughs> piece. Um and I think from there, you begin to see a little bit more of a different aspect of sure. the packs of canine. Sure. So starting like there, you know, you went from sergeant, and then I'm not sure how your, your grades go. So from sergeant, you went to a lieutenant and then captain, yeah. and then mm-hmm. you left there as an assistant chief or Correct. deputy chief. Yep. So you were the number two there right. in Seattle at yep. that time. 
Um, how big of a department is Seattle or was when you were there? Seattle is almost 1,300 sworn 13. and about 600 civilians. So yeah. about the same size as Denver. Okay. And then at the time, roughly, you remember how, how big your canine unit was or about how many dogs you had there at the time? Pretty large. I want to say we had at least, um, at that time, I would say at least, I'm thinking of the radio. Yeah. I'm thinking of the radio call signs, <laughs> and I think it went up to 14 or 15. 14, 15. 15 was yeah. the, one of the radio was one of the radio call signs. So I think we had at least 15. Um, all of our dogs were specific trained, so there there really weren't multi trained. Sure. Um, so they dogs, were patrol, like a lot of or they were bomb, or they were drugs. Right. They were all separate ones. But you had a single canine unit. They weren't dispersed like like in my agency. We have patrol dogs, and then another. The narcs have narc dogs, and we have bomb dogs. So you were all one, one yeah, solid canine. The, the patrol, the patrol canines, and the um, and the bomb dogs pretty much were together. Yeah. The narc dogs, it went back and forth sure. between. Uh, for a while, it was in narcotics, and then yeah. it came back to canine and back and forth. I don't, I really don't know where it's at now, though. Yeah. Now the the it's no secret the politics in that city are 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 thick, especially in our profession. Um, what would be, I'm mean, sure, it, it, did it change over time or was it always kind of, it's always been kind of that way. It, I, my my feeling is it's probably gotten a little worse. Um, yeah, I would say Seattle has always been, you know, on a more of the left-leaning side. I would say over the years it's become much further left-leaning. Um, uh, it, it, you know, I, like I said, I joined the department in 1983 and back then, you know, we thought it was a pretty tough city to yeah. patrol or to work in. And I don't mean tough from the standpoint of of the kinds of calls that we encountered, sure. but more from the standpoint of the lack of support that yeah. we felt from the community at times. Um, but over the years, um, and I think it's pretty well known that it's yeah. gotten really difficult for yeah. the officers there. And, you know, kind of staying specific to our, our audience, mm-hmm. How did that, uh, did it, did, and you, you got to see it from, from your pay grade. Did you have to make many adjustments to the canine policies and procedures over time to, to accommodate? I mean, the people get the, the police department they want. So if they don't want dogs out doing a lot of work, I imagine you had to change some of the stuff you did. Did that happen a lot? It, it did to some degree. The, uh, the uh, ACLU um, basically made the Seattle Police Canine Unit their pet project yeah. for lack of a better yeah. term, uh, their pet project for a while. Um, and, you know, basically they were, they had gone through and through open records and looked at all the different contacts between canines and, and subjects that yeah. were, were caught. And, um, you know, the injuries that were sustained, the severity of the injuries, sure. uh, they began critiquing the training, critiquing. Because they're experts. Because they're experts, <laughs> right. Uh, critiquing the, um, the handlers, sure. you know, the, the type of training the handlers got. And then, of course, uh, critiquing policy, policy and the department's, uh, the department's leadership as far as um, what they felt the department should be doing to reduce and minimize the use of canine. Did that result in any drastic changes? or It, it did to some degree. I, I was trying to remember exactly what happened. And from my recollection... Um, the changes that occurred didn't end up that yeah. dire. Yeah. Um, I think we were able to show we had we had excellent record keeping, um, and our training was our training records were spot on. 
Um, experts were brought in from throughout the country, both on the uh, pro-police side and the, and the non-pro-police yeah. side. Um, and really what it came down to was they really felt they really felt Seattle was was doing pretty good yeah. compared to a lot of other major yeah. cities around the country. But of course, they weren't going to be able to just let that go without no. saying they did something. Yeah. So yeah. there was uh, there was a memorandum of understanding that was was that was agreed upon between the department. Sure. And really, what it came down to wasn't necessarily a huge change in procedures, but they wanted to see what they thought should be um, enhanced record keeping. Um, so that we they could track over time sure. whether or not we were abiding with the agreements. Sure. And I'll, I'll say that to my audience is we, we you know in our profession we talk a lot about record keeping. So if you're listening to this, um, you know the, it's it's amazing um, what what could trigger something completely unrelated to canine. They could have a, a shooting that maybe isn't a mellow valor shooting, something unrelated to the dogs, and the next thing you know they're looking at the dog unit because it's an easy, it's low, low hanging fruit a lot of times for these people when they, when they want to attack a department. So keep your records up to date, have good records, have good training, have solid training certifications. I, I well, and, and I would say to that and, and not to sound like a bureaucrat, but, and I'm really glad you brought up the fact that record keeping is so important, which means sometimes that's going to require more reporting and more writing. And I know that that cops get frustrated with, okay, I'm going to have to spend another yeah. half hour in the office writing a new form and all that. And, and I totally get the frustration with that. But as you said, um, when you have your adversaries come in and start picking apart your, um, your processes and things like that, when you've got your paperwork in order, it's difficult for them to really, yeah. to get much momentum yeah. with that. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely been guilty of, of griping about that end so of it. But, <laughs> but then when, you know, we've had, we've had our reviews in our agency and, and once, People look at it and they see that we're squared away. They move on to something else, and that's that. That means we get to keep doing what what we want to do and what we love to do. So, it's it's worth it in the long run. So, after at uh, at at uh, five six years ago, you were offered a new position here in Colorado, and if we can talk about that, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I retired from Seattle, and uh, um, or just before my retirement, I get a call from a recruiter saying that. Uh, they thought I would be a good fit for the Aurora Police Department. And I was like, Aurora where? Illinois? And you know, Aurora, Colorado. And um, I honestly didn't know much about Aurora other than the theater shooting. Yeah. And what I knew from the theater shooting was that the officers who responded to that did a phenomenal job. Um, but, I, but I remember telling the recruiter, I said, um, you know, I'm really not a small town cop. I've yeah. been a big city cop for the past three years. So he said, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I want you to hang the phone up and I want you to go Google Aurora and Aurora police department. Then I'm going to call you back in about a half hour. I had no idea Aurora was the size that it was. Um, I didn't realize Aurora was had was butt right up against Denver. Yeah. So for people that are listening that have, that aren't familiar with here, you could be in Denver, you could be in Aurora if you don't know where you are and you would have no idea which city you're in there. We have a very, very long common border and, uh, it's not, it, it, it would be difficult to know which city you're in most of the time. Well, well, and the joke amongst a lot of officers is that, you know, we play tennis with Denver. So we yep. just get <laughs> suspects back and forth. So, um, so yeah, I went, uh, so I was like a little bit more intrigued with it and what saw what the issues were. And I thought, well, this might be the fit. So applied and, and the rest is history. Yeah. And Aurora is the, what, how many officers Aurora have now? 
Aurora is close to 800 officers. 800 officers. Yeah. So, so a little bit smaller, but mm-hmm. at that time you were the, the chief of all of them. So it was probably a different, a different view altogether. I'll tell our listeners, and I have no problem saying it, I've worked with Aurora's canine unit now for, you know, the, I've been handling the dog now for 25 years, and it's always been a good canine unit. It's yeah. not, it, people who know me, if, if I didn't believe that, I would just say, you guys have a canine unit, and I wouldn't, but it's always been a, a solid unit. You know, I can, I can say that. With, and um, so I, I would imagine you didn't see any drastic problems once you got there on the canine side. I, I really didn't, and I, and I really looked hard. Because I, I wanted to make sure there weren't any issues that were hiding somewhere, and I think the leadership of the leadership of the unit, um, the handlers themselves, um, and I thought what was really cool about the unit was they recognized the importance of community support. There, from a couple for a couple of reasons. One is there just wasn't a great deal of funding available for the canine unit, so they had to rely on on donations. Everybody loves dogs, so um, you know these guys were out there, you know, two or three times a month doing special events and so forth for different groups around yeah. the community and setting up a nonprofit to raise money. Um, but a lot of it also was, um, you know, that community interaction really helped um, ease any ease concerns that this was a unit full of dogs and handlers that just wanted to go yeah. out there and mess with people. Yeah. So I guess that would, that's, that's a great segue into kind of what I, what I really want to talk to you about today is, is, you know, you got to see it from a different view because, and I, and every handler, I mean, what we like to do is go out and catch bad guys or find dope or whatever. Um, the public demos, some handlers hate them. Some handlers really like them. Most of us are kind of indifferent. I think over my time I've understood the great value in them. And I think it's just because I've seen, you know, through doing some consulting and stuff, I see where that helps the department, which then helps the canine unit. It's a big circle and stuff. Um, so from, from your aspect, obviously I know you, uh, you like catching bad guys and stuff in your city, but there, what were some other, I mean, the, the, the tangible benefits of if, when you were looking down your light item items and stuff, and you saw obviously a big number next to canine, what would weigh on you? Like, this is good. This is bad. This is why I want this unit. I, I, I think, well, I think we all can appreciate the necessity for having canines. Um, I think for me, when I got here, what was, what was different was, as I said, was in Seattle, the dogs were singularly trained. Sure. They were in, in one, one particular yeah. skill here. They're, you know, dual purpose, dogs. dual purpose dogs. Yeah. Um, and so that was a little different for me um, getting used to that. But it was really cool seeing the dog's um, ability to, I guess, switch gears for lack of sure. a better term. Yeah. That, which I think, to me, I think, you know, in some ways, like humans, you know, you get them out of just always thinking about catching yeah. a bad guy, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's go look for some dope, or let's yeah. go look for some explosives, and yeah. and and getting them in that realm. Um, I thought at the time when I got here, the equipment that the canine unit had was was not good. The vehicles were not in the best shape. Well, they so, had some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we did some things to improve that, um, the auto door openers, yeah. um, things like that. Uh, but I also think the I think it became an easy sell for a lot of the things because of that community work that that's, they did. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So, so when you're looking at those things, there's there's a, a trade off, and I, I 
and I guess that's what I'd like to, to stress to our listeners is that the next time you're griping about having to go do a, a demo at a school, there's there's a bigger picture to this that your chief sees maybe maybe we don't see sometimes. You never know who's the kid whose dad has a deep pocketbook yeah. who who wants to give and yeah. and those things happen all the time. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times we would get calls from folks saying, you know. You know, my 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 father died, and he was a huge. You know, he he ran canines in the military, or did something like that, and 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 he put in his will that he wants to donate ten grand to yeah. the canine unit. And we're like, wow. And and then you come to find out that you know that decision was made not that long ago because he was at TGIF yeah. for dinner so, one yeah, night saw and the saw demo. saw the demo and was hanging out there in the. Yeah. Handlers were up there, you know, shaking hands and letting letting folks touch the dogs and things like that. And I think besides fundraising, it, it breaks down barriers, which we're always trying to do. And I think in you go into different neighborhoods when they think you have a mean dog. That's why I I like having very very social patrol dogs. And I've, I've I just recently saw some stuff where you, know, you can't pet any patrol dogs, and I've had dogs where you can pet them and then they will bite people too. So I think it's think there's that value. As you know, one of the things that when when we're out training, you know, when you're a group of handlers, you know, whenever we talk about like budget stuff, it's like, oh, we got to buy a dog. I don't know if they, you know, you are they. <laughs> so now I get a chance. I, Sometimes I, yeah, I finally <laughs> called other names too. <laughs> I finally get to meet them because <laughs> I've I've heard over the years them and right. headquarters and exactly. That. So sometimes you know we look at those budget items as being a huge dollar amount. But I think when you're sitting at your desk and you've got a a fairly large budget and you've got lots of things on there. If the canine unit's doing what you've asked them to do, the 10 grand for the dog isn't really as big of a deal as it maybe seems to the dog handlers. To rewind back to Seattle, when I, the first few years that I was there, um, they really didn't even have a budget for new dogs. So they were out scouring for dogs. They would go to the pounds, they would put ads in the paper. They would, someone would put a, you know, an ad in the newspaper to say they just had a litter of German shepherds and they'd go out there and look at them. And, and, um, I had a, I had a canine reject that they got from the pound that they named pounder and then it just didn't work out. And that's, that's an incredibly unfair thing to do to the unit. It's a, to me, it's a very dangerous thing to do for the community when you are, when you're putting those dogs in the kind of situations that they're in and you're expecting them to perform at a certain level. Yeah. So you got to be prepared to spend money. And, and so when, when Seattle police got a foundation up and running, the foundation started buying the dogs um, out of Germany and from some breeder in Germany. And so, you know, spending twelve fifteen thousand $15,000 per dog sure. is, is in the long run, it may seem like a lot of money up yeah. front, but it's kind of like that Fram yeah. oil commercial. You pay yeah. me now or pay me later. Because exactly. if you get a bad dog, yeah. and you're, you're going to really have some problems. Yeah. So that's, I guess, one of the points I'm trying to make to our listeners is that you know this is all it comes full circle. So you know, and every 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 boss you work for at any pay grade, that everybody's got their proclivities. It seems like most of the places where I've been that if you're doing what the people you work for want you to do, whatever it is. If you're doing that, then when it comes time to get a new dog or get some training, or maybe if you need a new vehicle, 
those budget items, even for smaller departments, again, the numbers always look really big to, to people at my pay grade. But, you know, I, I think when, it, when you're at the other side of it, you have some money to spend usually, you know, because you're spending money. You could spend 10 times that on replacing tasers in a year if you needed to. So the, the, budget, the budget can be done, but I think that's where that cooperation comes in doing. Well, and it's, and it's not only those community interactions, but, you know, making sure that you're educating your city council members sure. um, and inviting them out to inviting them out to the, the to the canine unit and letting them see the dogs um, do their thing, putting the putting the uh, council members in the bite suit. Yeah. They love that stuff. You know, they may not they may not tell you yeah. that, but they want a picture. They want to be able to put that picture on a website yeah. or Facebook and say, I I support my police. Yeah. Um, you know, you you have to be a little political at times yeah. and, and, um, and, you know, giving them a, giving them a sweatshirt that says, sure. you know, your yeah. department's name canine unit, those kinds of things will pay huge dividends because when down the road, when you're asking for, you know, the council to vote budgets in, yeah. I remember those little things. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, I had so much fun doing this and that. And I told them I support them. So, okay, I'll mark yes on this. Hey, they don't want to vote against a dog at that point. No, no. And again, them, so. you know, spend the money up front because if, you know, if you, if you, if you get a dog that, if you, if you get a dog that's not, not, that doesn't perform to where it yeah. needs, or you have, you're not giving your handlers the kind of training they need, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in claims down the road. And how did you feel about like on that topic? How did you feel about getting served with, you know, I mean, I've been served several times. I've sat through court. If you've done this a long time, you have, I'm sure you've done it for other, other reasons. Um, I guess that would come back to, you know, proper supervision. It probably wasn't a huge sweat for you when you knew these guys are squared away, you know, we'll get through this. I honestly cannot remember a time since I've been in Aurora and really don't remember anything in Seattle where I got served um, post a dog post canine incident yeah. that I thought, uh Oh, yeah, this is not going to look good. Um, and again, it goes back to the paperwork. It goes back to the training. Um, and, you know, I would say 99% of the time you're able to show that the handler and the dog did the right thing. So to wrap it up, is there anything else you would say, you know, from, like I said, you have a different perspective of it. I mean, I think we kind of covered that basically, you know, it's a community effort and it's a department effort. You know, is there any other thing you'd say to our audience about your overall feeling about the canines? Or Well, I know that one of the things that you want to talk about in your next segment is wellness. And I just would say there that um, in some ways I think, I think, Canine handlers have the best of all worlds and that they kind of have that built-in therapy dog, yeah, absolutely. right? absolutely. Um, Although and, sometimes you need a therapy dog for your <laughs> for dog. Therapy you know? dog. Exactly. <laughs> I've had that. Um, you know, it, you have that um, and and you you also have the, the luxury of being more physical than yeah. most officers because you've got to keep up with your dog yeah. and you got to run with them and all those kinds of things. And so I think that helps a lot. But but I also know that I've over the years, um, you know, particularly when I was in Seattle, um, we had two canines that were were killed in the line yeah. of duty, yeah. um, and 
And I don't think I had a real appreciation until that first time it happened of how hard that really is sure. on a handler. Sure. And so, you know, watching how that, the loss of that dog to the handler and to handlers around the area that really impacted them. So with that, I guess I just say, just, you know, take good care of yourselves out there. And, and, um, you got one of the, you got one of the best jo- jobs, if not the best job I think in best. law enforcement. Yeah. Um, but, but also know that it does come with a price and, and they, it always, it's gonna, There is a price no matter how it ends there. Exactly. That's, it's a heartbreak for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, and even just when the dog has yeah, to retire, yeah, exactly. Just yeah, doing that. Right. I've just seen, I've just seen handlers just yeah. burst out in tears. Yeah. So, you know, take good care of themselves and, and, and take advantage of the resources yeah. that are being provided out there. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We've we've uh, tried to get the schedule a few times with my <laughs> third my time's a charm. Yeah, so we got got it done. Um, hopefully, uh, I just kind of wanted to spend a little time. Like I said, you've you've been the chief of a couple of large departments, and you had a whole different vantage point. So hopefully, uh, our, our my listeners here like this. So if uh, you guys like this type of stuff, you know we have a lot of different uh, classes going on. It hits in Phoenix. Uh, we'll be there in August of this year. We have lots of different. Uh, vendors, lots of different classes. So check out hitscanine.net for everything about hits. And I appreciate it and stay safe out there. Thank you. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come to Hits 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to Hits 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there and we've been there too.